Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast here for a little 2022 NFL Draft recap edition with my my main man Jim Monas reporting remotely. Uh, although Jim, we had ourselves one hell of a time at the 2022, the second annual Draft Extravaganza live at Hamburg Brewing Company. Uh, I think we had about 25 people, might have been up to 30, virtually joining us for that exceptional questions we had a falcons fan in there the usual packers and bills suspects um we got some good giants talking which we're going to absolutely get into um on this podcast but uh man that was fun wasn't it jim and, and they're there they were there to see you you're the one that had the stories from the draft room and oh. by god did you deliver <laughs> so there's, a re- like- there's a reason that it's not on the podcast feed i should say that <laughs> It was so, recorded, but it was not published. <laughs> so once again, yes, it was a blast at Hamburg. It was so good to be there. What I liked was our first draft extravaganza last year was a home run, especially highlighted by the Justin Fields trade up, you know, for the Bears. And that was a great time, too. It's hard to always, you know, duplicate, you know, that sequel, the next movie. I feel like we did. We had a, I love the crowd that we, I love the guys we had on zoom. Like they really brought it with some, like you said, some different teams, but their questions are always like challenging. Um, and, and to your credit, I'm, you know, and I, and you, I should thank you for your help, but I, I, I get a little loose. I get a little loose on those extravaganzas. I, I like to let it fly a little bit. And we had our Mount Rushmore, our Mount Rushmore of shitheads. And, you know, it, it's, we had some newcomers. We had some newcomers. That alone should probably get people to become, you know, paid subscribers to go along. You you get the the exclusive Jim Monas Mount Rushmore of shitheads in the NFL, which well, we had a few, do, you know, in the first annual, and it definitely expanded for the second. Expanded, and we do a T-shirt with it. You know, every year would be different. So, it, you know, this year's can't wait for you know the twenty-two shithead Mount Rushmore T-shirt. Right, shitheads of uh, of the NFL. It was. You didn't disappoint. I'll say that. No. And, and boy, Hamburg didn't disappoint either. You know, <laughs> they took great care of us after the they show as well. Do. 
after the show. After we the might show have been the last good. people to leave watching the draft. So thank you to the good employees at HBC. Yeah, they they um, we closed it down, and sometimes you need to leave a little early. Got to give people a rest sometimes. <laughs> we, were, we were enjoying we were enjoying ourselves as as fathers. Um, that don't the rare get cutaway. Things. That's right. It was nice, but yes, the Louis were were going down smooth. Um, I stuck to those. I stuck to that juice box. Oh, the juice box boy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got into that. That was that was not, not what I was expecting from that. I remember I had it like I think I only had it like once last year, but that was I was pretty impressed with it. All right, twenty twenty two NFL draft. Let's get to it. I mean, you kind of alluded to it. You know, last year you had drama. You had quarterbacks. There was, I mean, everybody thought Mac Jones was going to be the third overall pick in San Francisco. Right. They go Trey Lance. You had the Justin Fields trade. It was just nonstop drama. And oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers floated out earlier in the day that he wanted out of Green Bay. So it, it was kind of like, you know, you've got, you've got like Ozark or uh, The Wire or you have must-see TV. This year was more like, I don't know, was it just like popping on C-SPAN for the night? It wasn't that exciting. Yeah. But there's a lot to get into still. No, we I, that was kind of both of us were kind of like, it's just not – it didn't have the drama that some you know previous drafts had that we're used to and, and, and that we like for the draft. But I think when you go back and recap it and kind of take a step back and look at it and see what teams were trying to do. And the, you know, what was interesting to me about the quarterback was, you know, everybody was pretty much saying that this class wasn't your surefire, you know, go get that guy. And, and you know what? Everybody was stuck to it. They didn't panic. You know, the Steelers took they obviously they had a feel for him. There's always, you know, you never know. Every like I said, every team's different. Obviously, Pittsburgh, Pickett, and and they felt good about him and took him. But all the talk about the Willis and you know uh Corral, all those guys, nobody reached on anybody. Like they stayed their ground. If they didn't have the high grades, they didn't panic. I credit the NF, I credit the personnel guys. They really showed some, you know, calm in their game. Which is not what I expected. Right, even no. in Bob's series, when he had these scouts shredding the quarterback class and right. comparing it to 2013 as one of the most just abysmal quarterback classes they've ever seen, um, I think that there was still this underlying current of yeah, but teams are going to panic. Like there's going to be a, a Carolina, an Atlanta, a New Orleans. There's going to be a team that just jumps the gun and drafts a quarterback and. You're right. I, I think that here's what I'll say though, Jim. I think you're, I think teams were correct to like or, not overdraft. I think Sam Howell probably should have gone earlier in the fourth round. That surprised me. Yeah. I knew oh, that was yeah. <laughs> But if history has told, has told us anything, it's that the NFL screws up the quarterbacks. They just do one way or another, you know, uh, a Dak Prescott falls or Russell Wilson falls or, you know, somebody's drafted way, way too early that they should, where they should have never have gotten drafted. So it's not like year in and year out, these personnel departments are proven correct. Like they knew what this class was. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe Desmond Ritter in Atlanta blows up. We don't know. Oh, that's no kind question of the part there. of it. I think that's the best part is these guys now, the, the pressure on these guys, you know, now they can come in and they don't, they can just actually learn the offense. They don't feel like, Hey, I got to get in. I got to win. The expectations have already been set by where they were drafted. The team has, you know, like Atlanta, look, I'm sure they're excited about 
they have Mariota, who he's had some, you know, he's had some good, good quality seasons. Like not, he just can't stay healthy and there's just no consistency, but he's, he's played for Arthur Smith. So there's familiarity there. And so they had a plan in place and I give, I got to give Fontenot, the GM, Terry Fontenot, give him some credit for having a plan in place. And, and now they got a guy that they can work with. So yeah, think if we always talk about EJ Manuel or what if Marcus Mariota was a second round pick, these guys were second, third round picks. You know, we're just so, we're so hard on these guys. It's not their fault where they were drafted. The expectations completely change. You know, if, if Carolina panics and, and goes Malik Willis or Matt Corral in the first or second round, you know, they end up getting taken Corral in the third round. It's just different. You know, you take somebody yeah. earlier and rightfully so there's a push to get that player onto the field. And, you know, it, it, it the other thing was like you brought up Carolina, it made me think about it, but that owner, you know, you feel like Matt rules definitely feeling the heat and there had to be some good discussions there that said, Hey, we don't see any of these guys as the answer. And that owner, you know, and, and you know, he didn't lay the hammer down and say, take one. He trusted his personnel and coach. I, I you know, that's something to be said for that. Just, you know, right or wrong. I mean, Terry trusted, you know, McDermott, Whaley, myself, when we said we just didn't feel good about taking a quarterback with where we were at. And we had Tyrod and blah, blah, blah. But Terry supported it. And you know what? He got rewarded for it. That was another uh, great part of the the extravaganza. Jim Monas here relived that entire draft for everybody. And because I think there was a lot of unknown as to who's really running the show here, who's really making decisions. That was really interesting yeah. when you got into that. Yeah. I, I like the question because, you know, and I'm, I, I'm like I said, on the extravaganza, Hey, I'm okay with admitting when we made mistakes or how we made decisions right or wrong. And we did some good things too. And, and that draft, you know, Hey, proud of that. If that's our last draft we ever do. M- most likely that's, that's a good one to go out on. So what impressed you? I mean, let's, let's both, let's both like just go with, um, yeah who we think had a yeah. good draft then and a it's really funny for me draft. i know it's it's so funny that i, I i'd rather the grades say, the grades are the grades. in jim it's it's almost the grades might be worse than mock drafts and let's, you know. let's not get too crazy okay mocks are pretty Fair bad enough. but you know what's worse than all of that combined is the, the the television production that is the NFL draft it was unwatchable Jim I mean that was unwatchable. we couldn't wasn't our we couldn't get into it no I mean just the what it's become I mean the yeah, NFL it's, has it's, turned it into Bravo television it's, it's too much you know line it up with the Real Housewives of something I mean there was just there was just so much bullshit pick to pick nonsense you know WWE wrestlers and you know, magicians and um, See that the, the former Vikings player rambling on and on and Wayne Newton, you know, plastic Wayne Newton gets up there and says a guy's from Mississippi and he's from Memphis. I mean, I just miss waking up on Saturday with my dad as a kid watching Paul Tagliabue announce the pick Mel Kuyper breaking it down. Um, I mean, this is the NFL though, right? They, they, they want to appeal to this broad audience and, you know, bring in new fans. Well, guess what? The hardcore fans are going to just, look online to see who gets drafted because it's just oh you know, it's, well you you can't but the thing is you must not watch the real housewives 
because recorded on our YouTube TV. My wife watches it all the time. I, well, I'm I'm a I huge fan. Of, yeah, okay, love Be- Beverly Hills, Jersey are my two. Oh, so you're you're all in. Well, was all all I was going to tell you was sicko. it's so much better than the draft. <laughs> you can't don't don't say the draft. Don't say it's well, like the bar it, is low at this point, though. Okay, fair enough. But it, it and I'm not trying to. It is those shows are better. That draft was like the shows are good. If you like that style, everybody has their own style, Tyler. I can't do football all the time. You got to be able to turn it off. I get that. But that, that was always, I think, watch the draft to turn it on. I mean, they want the substance. Well, they want some meat on yeah. the bone. There wasn't much no, meat on the was, bone with that. I, I, I will say, you know, I wanted to talk to you about, let's back to the draft though, because, and I know you wrote about it. Um, you put it on Twitter about Joe Douglas and the Jets. And we've talked about Joe on the show. You know, I've, I was in the Southeast with him and oh, yeah. I, I always love seeing all these guys. I've talked about before getting their chance now as GMs. You know, we all kind of started as area scouts, Joe Shane, Joe Douglas, Brian Gutekis. We were all together, you know, all in the same rooms, Jason Light. You know, I can remember all of us were sitting around in rooms together and now those guys are GMs. It's cool to see. And Joe Douglas a good story about him. If we were at, say we were at like Wake Forest on a, you know, and I'd walk in and he's sitting in the film room and, you know, usually you start around eight o'clock. So, the, you know, you try to wait for everybody to get there, but I'd come in with my Dunkin'. I always had Dunkin' Donuts coffee. You get the coach's donuts, get your coffee. Well, Joe always had Dunkin' Donuts as well. So the fun thing about him, like the good, why Joe is such a good guy to me was like, We'd be sitting there all day, wake for us and say next day, hey, where are you headed tomorrow? I'm shooting down the road. We're going to hit, you know, North Carolina tomorrow. Hey, I'm going to, you know, and Joe would be like, hey, I'll, I'll bring the coffee, you know, and he would show up and bring Duncan, you know, and then next day we might be at Duke together because we were on that little path. I would pick up the coffee, you know, so stuff like that. That's those are that's what goes down on the road with scouts. You know, you, you do have those guys that you you might not talk players at all. You might just talk football in general, like about your team. Oh, man, we played terrible this week, you know, whatever. We got to get better. We missed on this guy, you know, talking about drafts. But you don't really get into the guys you're watching. But anyway, I was happy to see the Jets pull that off because I it, it, I want to see what they can do. with If that quarterback, and we've talked about him, but if he can take that, you know, like I said, he panicked last year. He didn't see things well. But you can't. It's you got to just give them another, give them time, give them time because there is ability there, and I love the fact that they're just getting after it. Like, I want to talk makers. about both New Jersey teams. GM. I mean, let's start there with the Jets. First of all, with Joe Douglas, obviously GM for the, for the Jets, and this was his third draft. You forget that he did yeah. the first one with Adam. It's Gage. only his. That's what it's only his third draft, and he's got a franchise. You know, they you got they got to let this franchise, you know, Wilson play out. So yeah, it feels like Joe's been there longer than that. So w- with their draft, I just feel like it was a GM's dream, and we 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 poke fun at GMs at press conferences saying, "Oh, it just fell <laughs> perfectly," but it really did. It could not have gone better for the Jets. <laughs> It really couldn't have because you you get Sauce Gardner with your first first rounder, Garrett Wilson, the scouts that Bob talked to, I believe it was what seventeen or eighteen. They have him as the best <laughs> receiver in the draft, and right. I mean, I'm no scout, but you watch his film, and it's just the kind his, of plays I, he makes are the plays you need to make in the NFL. I agree with you. You know, he's a he's a he was a D1 basketball recruit. His dad played in the NBA for a hot minute. 
think he finished as like Davidson's fourth fourth leading scorer. He's got that in his blood. But just uh, boy, he's not that big, but he he, he plays big. It's a great pick there. And then you know the one downside was well they weren't able to get um, Aiden Hutchinson didn't like fall to him. They didn't get a pass rusher with one of those two high picks. But one of them kept falling, right? Jermaine Johnson just kept trickling and trickling. And from 15 to uh, – when did they get him? 26. Um, Joe Douglas said that they were calling every single team and, like, literally every single team to try to move up to get him. He was a top eight player on their board. That's pretty specific to make up. I, I believe him. I believe him. And to get him where they got him at that value, I mean, you're talking about three – immediate difference makers and oh by the way they tried to get back in for a fourth first rounder to get breeze hall <laughs> that would be awesome. they don't get them they're probably up all night pissed off about that just wishing that they even got more and then they just get them on day two they and trade they up and they get them the the pass rusher is going to be really interesting to watch because um, Mark Ross on NFL Network, I know he loved him too. And you just don't hear, you know, there's certain people that like, we like Bob, Mark, you know, you're certain people that you listen to and they're like, man, that was a steal. And I agree with you. I believe Joe on that because that is exactly how it happens. You make your pick all of a sudden when you see it, I'd call it in striking range. Like when you know, Hey, he's dropping. It's like every single person that has a phone in front of them, it's automatic. All right. You call, they're picking 18. You got 19. You got 20. You got 21. You just start calling, boom, right in order. Because the first call is always, hey, you guys, you know, you're interested. Yes. We'll give you, you know, we have this pick. This is what we're giving. We'll call you back. It's always, it's the same thing every time. Like, okay, hold on. I'll call you back. Then you look, everybody's doing their work on the point system and, talking about you like it like it call them back yeah we'll do it done it can be that easy but yeah you call every team in front of you that's what we did that with sam i didn't didn't know it was that maniacal yeah it is it is it's funny but um but there was a moment with joe douglas where like when he when it was finalized i mean the jets uh twitter account put it out there themselves and he hangs up the phone he says we're on the fucking clock and then Robert Sala comes over and gives him a big bear hug. We're on the fucking I mean, that is an adrenaline rush that you live for as a scout, as a GM, as a coach. Like, I mean, we're at the draft is so stressful and you miss out on so many guys, but to be banging at the door, like Joe Douglas was pick after pick after pick and finally get through. I mean, you can see, he doesn't really seem like a guy who just gets excited all the time either. His press conferences are pretty laser beam. He doesn't really say a hell of a lot. But in that moment, that emotion was pretty cool. That's why he was an offensive lineman at Richmond. He was <laughs> one of those guys from what everybody told me, you know, that doesn't say a whole lot, but he's coming for you as an offensive lineman. So I'm not surprised. And those guys seem like they have that chemistry that we always talk about on the show. When you see two guys seem natural with it and not fake. Yeah. Because you can tell the fake handshakes and the real ones that, hey, we talked about this. We worked at this. We had this in, yeah, we had this plan in place. And that's the release. Like, holy shit, we pulled this off. So that, that is the, that, that to me is what makes the draft. I 100% agree with you. That, those are the moments that make the draft. And here's a head coach and a GM that, you know, they've, they're just, 
right now they're just names on a list. The latest Jets people to come through the system and lose a lot of games and fail. Like it's an uphill battle for them in the AFC East when you got to still deal with Belichick. You've got an MVP <laughs> candidate and Josh Allen. Oh, by the way, hello Tyreek Hill and Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins. But it, but the, the it, good it, thing it was is, a big moment. It could have been a breakthrough moment for that team. The good thing is you're you're really dealing with which of those quarterbacks of those three, Tua, Wilson, and Mac Jones, who's going to take that? Who's going to be the best out of those three? And then is that guy able to push Josh Allen ever, you know, to, to make the Bills scared? That's the two steps they have. But all those quarterbacks need developed. The funny thing is with Wilson, like you already have enough, he already has enough pressure on him where he was drafted. And then, of course, everybody just says, wow, they nailed the draft. So now everybody's going to be like, all right, it's on you now, man. You better get better because we we have a good draft. We took you where we took you to take the next step. I love that they didn't just, like, draft offense, like, mm-hmm. just to load up Wilson. They went for who they believed in because that – I mean, that head coach, I mean, that's a defensive guy. So to get the corner and the pass rusher – two most valuable positions on defense. DJ Reed and free agency was a biggie. I mean, they're really banking on that secondary. No, they, they, no, they made some moves. I mean, and Brees Hall. God, well, I mean, that's a great spot to that's take. A, that's a perfect spot great. to get a running back who could be the focal point of your offense. Right. Consistent, good player, you know, consistent, good. You know what you're getting with them. Those are the best guys. What's your read on Zach Wilson? Then I know you did a little work on those quarterbacks. I did, a year ago. I did, and I really, really thought he played poorly. I mean, I didn't hide it. He was bad, like really bad. Like I don't want to, like I don't want to bury a guy yet, like that. But he was bad. He didn't see I mean, anything. Thing, as he, great as everything seems to be for them with the draft, Tyler, with Joe Douglas, with, with how they're built, yeah. it all comes down to Zach Wilson. It's all going to come down to him. The game was too fast for him. He didn't see anything. He didn't see it quickly. He didn't make he didn't make good decisions. He wasn't able to unleash what you saw. Like you, you know, everybody knows he has the ability, but he has a. I think he has a major major step to take. But it's hard. I don't want to write a rookie off. I don't like doing that to those guys. I got I got to give him some time. But he didn't play well. I do. I mean, it was concerning. I think you were looking for signs. I- Josh Allen didn't play well as a rookie. His completion percentage was like what fifty-two. I always said this six games, but there were there were signs that he was willing to drive it down the field. You want to see those guys at least improve, especially towards the end of the year. Like man, it was rocky. You know, it was bad. It was rocky in the middle. Hey, he showed some signs. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Man, it was – they didn't really show – they were pretty much the played that same the whole year. I mean, they were not good. And like I said, that you see – but Mac Jones got way overhyped, like way overhyped, you know, for being like the greatest quarterback ever after that tornado game and hurricane in Buffalo that I'm still angry about. But he didn't even throw Pretty a pass. Solid pass attempts that game, Jim. But the point is – Pressure is on Zach Wilson. He's got to get better. 
He does, you know, and it's that's what's wild about this too is I'm guilty. I wrote a story about the jet about the Jets. Um I'd go along and I mean it, phenomenal draft. You're finding cornerstones <laughs> for your team. Just there's a reason to celebrate what they just did. But as I referenced in the story, this is probably at least in the moment, it feels like this is as big of a haul as the Jets have had since 2000, 22 years ago, Damn. when they had four first-round picks. Sean Ellis, 12th overall, 73-and-a-half yeah. career sacks. Solid. Solid. John Abraham, 13th overall. You know, obviously, they, they let him get away to Atlanta there, but you're, you're talking about, you know, a potential Hall he of Famer, 133-and-a-half sacks. Hit, hit two for two. Chad Pennington, 18th overall. And if you really look at it, Jim, in the AFC East, probably the best quarterback this side of Tom Brady, you know, with the Jets and the Dolphins. That's a hit. That's a hit pick. Yep. That's three for three. And then Anthony Beck. That's how it's just simple. 27th overall. tight end. You you know, he's a head coach in the XFL. That's right. He's one of the head coaches in the XFL. That's right. And. I worked with him. He was our tight ends coach in that AAF league when I was out in San Diego and I was the director of personnel. Wow. And Beck He's was our really tight good in the media coach. too. We should get him on here. Oh, I'm, we're going to talk about that. I'd love to see if we can, I got to talk to the XFL and see how they feel about it, but I would love to get all those guys on. Um, we have some really fun, fun guys to talk to, but Beck is awesome. Like that's great. His, his son's a, uh, son's a true freshman. Uh, just started at Iowa state. Man. This stuff makes me feel old. How about you? Like all these Elams. Um, I know, then, I know. But then they get Lavernius Coles in the third round. How's this for career numbers for Lavernius Coles? 8,609 yards and 49 touchdowns. I forgot Probably how good of a receiver he was. You do. But here's my point. With this, It should have been a historic draft that just turned the franchise around. And who went 199th overall that year? Tommy. Tommy. And he just haunted the Jets and everybody in the entire league for the next two. That's years. a good story. That's so funny it's kind of like as like... greatest things are. If you don't, if, I mean, if you miss that quarterback, nothing else really matters. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So after after every draft, you sit there in the draft room, and yeah, on the board you have everybody, by, you know, by team, and you sit there, and every, all the scouts just sit there. You have a beer, and you go through each team. Like, oh, that was terrible. You know, bad draft, bad draft. Every, I guarantee, you every team does it. It used to, I and mean, when I say it's not just one beer, it's your release. I mean, it's like the work is done. But I would love, I wish we had a camera in the room for the Jets if they were celebrating that night and they went through the Patriots draft. Like, oh, Brady, yeah, no, Brady, he won't ever. He won't, <laughs> he won't ever. We're fine. We had the best draft in our division. It, Did Brady you see him with his shirt off? We, he didn't even start at Michigan. <laughs> They probably went through all of it, and there he, he just destroyed, wipes out the whole draft. Man, and that that's the thing. I mean, you kind of make your bed with Zach Wilson even more with a draft like this. I mean, I know it always comes back yeah. to 2014, but like, it's, fine. it's like you, you, you double down on, on, on EJ Manuel. With Clearly like, when one, you do we, stuff around the quarterback, you're doubling down on your belief in that quarterback. Unbelievable. It, we talked about it the other night, but yeah, we should have taken Khalil Mack. No doubt. No doubt. We should have traded up for him. Like, yeah, we did the right thing on going up. Get Mack. 
But you, had, but you said as well, like, what would that have done? I, I, it wouldn't have done anything. But if we were aligned, if we had the right, if, if our GM and head coach, if we were synced up for the future and really yeah. planning for the future and things were in place, yes, we should have taken that. And I don't, like I said, I don't think it changes, but it shows you that that team is not panicking and, and you know how they have a plan. I really believe that. And also, I mean, we talked about it before we hit record, but like if EJ Manuel is entering the NFL, we talked to EJ about this on this podcast. If he's entering, entering the NFL as a third round pick with the potential to maybe start a few years down yeah, the line. It's just not as rushed where his career goes. Yeah. Yep. You just, it, people, you're not as critical. It, it makes a difference. It's like Robert Meacham. I remember we talk, Robert Meacham in New Orleans. Um, I bring him up because I scouted him and we took him late first round. Um, not like a high pick. It was, I forget where it was, but um, he was, he led our team the year we won the Super Bowl. He led our team in touchdowns, but like people kind of almost said he wasn't like, that great he was a he, he wasn't what we thought he would be maybe but he was a huge fast downfield receiver that if we would have taken him in the second round great pick you know isn't that bad for you guys I mean he almost had about 3,000 career yards played six seasons 25 but you're right in big moments he made some pretty big plays from what I remember that's how I agree with you on that he, he had that in him um, but he wasn't, he wasn't like the down in down out route runner and right. consistent, you know, I, we thought, I thought he would be a little bit better with that. And he, he never really, took, and then look what happened to him when he left New Orleans. <laughs> he didn't do anything. You know, the bills, close, the bills wanted him bad with Mario really? Williams. They went, they, they, they went big. They, was, they were trying to make a splash. It was Mario and Meacham was going to be their splash. Hmm. Well, let's let's anyway, touch on sorry, the other team in New Jersey. Before I forget, I mean the we've got some uh, from some listeners, some readers uh, that followed our our giant series back in December when the ship, you know, was hitting the old iceberg there for the Giants, and it's a good thing that they bashed right into that iceberg, Jim, and it it's- was a. Tyler, it's like it was it's bad. seriously there were, there were not many lifeboats and i think it, it was for the best for those new york no, it, it it was a it was a truthful harsh reality for giant fans and possibly some people that work there that may have reached out to you but it was a harsh reality because it was true and they have a head coach and gm who are aligned just like they're just like the other team in jersey should note too if if people are listening to this um, right away. I mean, unless you didn't know, Chris Pettit, director of college scouting reportedly is he's out. Um, There's a pretty big. Well, Kyle O'Brien as well. They, they let go who um, I know those guys pretty well. And Kyle was a, he was a decision maker as well. Like he was on the upper side, you know, of the mm-hmm. scouting. So Joe Shane is um, not wasting time. Pettit's been yeah, with I'm the sure team since Oh five. Who um, Pettit? Right. And uh, it's true. I mean, we, we wrote about it. I think he was in, in part three primarily in our series, but central to a lot of issues and problems there internally, not uh, 
very well liked by some coworkers, to put it mildly. Uh, but it's one of those moves that I think the writing is on the wall in a lot of ways where new people come in. I, the, the big question was like, and this is where I think it's a sign that the Giants are going to win with this crew or at least turn it around from where it was. <clears throat> Didn't really know like all right, who, who, who on the front half, front office staff, and we've talked about this, has ingratiated themselves to ownership. Like who's immune from being removed that is mm. really a part of the problem. And he was a part of the problem there. But it was hard to tell if he had that immunity. And I think this tells you Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, like this, it's, it's a new sheriff in town and out with the old in with the new, probably not going to see the owner's brother, you know, removed from the mass head on the front office chart there, but it's probably not going to happen. But um, I think there's reason for optimism and it's crazy because it's like as good as these drafts are, it also wouldn't surprise me if both teams finished dead last in their division again, you know, it wouldn't be a shock, but I feel like, no, what about as good for the Giants as they could have as well? And I want to get to their <laughs> second round pick because that's that's the debatable selection there. That was that really was interesting. True. But you start with Thibodeau, Neal, premium positions, pass rusher, and somebody that's got to block those pass rushers. They needed them. Um, there's some risk involved with Thibodeau if you read Bob's stuff. I mean, there's concern about just the way he carries himself. But if you hit on it, I mean – you might have gotten the best player in the draft. Pass rusher, tackle. I mean, you're hitting like value. You're getting value. And if you're correct on your evaluations, you, you couldn't have done a better job. And But the best thing that you just said is so true. The Jets and Giants, they don't, we don't know about their quarterback. Like it, it could be the most pointless drafts, like, if those guys don't, if they don't figure that situation out, both teams, it's these drafts don't matter. Yeah, I think you just need that um, cohesion with with ownership, at least with, with the Giants. It's yeah. kind of like every, everybody kind of knows this is it for Daniel Jones. I mean, they didn't pick up the option. No, and, and they, they just came and in as what? GM and head coach, so they're they're going to get their own bite at the apple. I, it would, I would love to know because. I would love to know in Joe Shane's interview, if he told the owner, you, you know, I think I don't want to pick his option up, but I think we should, you know, let's find out what we have though. You know, not saying let's not get rid of them, but let's make them prove it. And let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's work with them. And our, our head coach has done this with a guy and, and let's give Daniel Jones, you know, I personally, another guy I haven't seen any improvement on, you know, year after year, but Hey, we've seen it happen in Buffalo. Um, and we're not trying to say he's going to be Josh Allen. We're just saying, can he take a step to be good enough to be your starter? You know, his, what's the uh, famous quote? History doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Was that Mark Twain, maybe? Ooh, I got to look that up. I like it. Um, but I think that this is kind of what Joe Shane went through with the Buffalo Bills ahead of the like this. 2018 draft. I mean, after... You and Doug were allowed to go. Brandon Bean comes in. He brings yeah. in Joe Shane. Yeah. And all year they were scouting 
that quarterback class that you guys targeted at that dinner at Temple with Terry and Kim. Like you get, you knew that this that class could have been. That was the plan. That was the plan plan originally. But um, you know, our buddy Matt Fairburn wrote a great story on it. He hung out with him as they scouted these these quarterbacks, and I read that. Mike Silver just wrote a really good story at Bally Sports about it. But uh, I mean, Joe. Joe Shane went through this. Like they they went nuts in, in trying to figure out out of that crew of Lamar, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Mason Rudolph, Josh Rosen, like who they liked. And now this is, you know, you never nobody really knows, but it look there could be six quarterbacks taken in the first round. I've seen people are trying to set that over under. I think Kuiper and McShay were like taking the over on that. Uh, there's a lot more quarterbacks that could go early. It seems in theory, you know, headed by CJ Stroud and, and Bryce Young, <laughs> you know, that Joe Shane and the giants are going to be going balls to the wall, scouting these quarterbacks like oh, yeah. crazy to find quote unquote, their guy. Oh, Daniel yeah. Jones is not their guy. It's no. a trial one year. What, what else are we going to do with the position? You know, they're not going to force a, a Malik Willis. They're, they're going to just, no, with it and 2023 find their guy. And that's your job as a coach. I mean, he's on the team and they're, you know, he's done some good things. All right, coach him, make him better. And that's part of coaching. And I'm sure Dable's up to that challenge. I, I do. I you feel the other thing is Saquon Barkley could benefit from Dable. You know, I, they, the bills involve those running backs in the pass game. That's what Barkley does best. Get him, get him the ball in the pass game and let him just run. He's not a great pick and slide runner. He really is, but he's home run. I don't think they're that upset that there's some people that that have a lot to prove on this year's team. I mean, I, I'm telling you, Saquon was like a generational, transcendent, like unbelievable, and he's just forgotten. Nobody's nobody talks about Saquon Barkley. No, I think he's a good. I never thought he, but I always thought he would look like a really good, like good, like I always call him home run hitter. There's that. It's not his fault where he was drafted. But they could get a lot out of them. I mean, really. Oh, no, that's a value. That's a good thing to have. They have yeah. them. Use them. No, I'm with you. I, I feel like there's some good things coming in with that that Giants and Jets team, but it's all about that quarterback. But What about Wandale Robinson, wide receiver, Kentucky? What do we know about him? Third. I got to say, that's not a guy I knew much about. I'm going to pull up the, uh, the exact measurements, but it was Bob oh. McGinn's um, – Kind of his his un his uh, unsung hero of the wide receiver class that could sneak oh. up on people. Yeah, here he is, unsung hero, five foot eight, one seventy nine. So he's one of the smallest receivers. He's not really a receiver. They're probably viewing him as this hybrid. So they got Kadarius Tony. Like you got the same player here, but he's their guy. Um, he he benched two twenty five more than any receiver nineteen times. That's incredible. He's 179 and he benches 225 19 times. And he ran a 444. Um, the shortest receiver, uh, only 27 and 58 inch arms, but really productive. He transferred from Nebraska to Nebraska to Kentucky and he had a thousand yards. He, he was super productive in college. Uh, but they had an opportunity in the second round. I mean, there were more polished receivers available. Um, it was definitely somebody, I mean, if you believe group think, it seemed like everybody viewed him as a third or fourth rounder. Uh, but that, that was, that was the pick where Joe Shane really kind of gambled and then stuck his neck out 
And that's that's what right. we're gonna have to watch. If he hits on that, it's like okay, well, that's a good point. That's a good point to pay attention to that one because it's how like especially with that size. So he must have reminded them of somebody, like for a specific Isaiah McKenzie. Well, I was going to go there with you, but I didn't know if you wanted to. But, I mean, as far if they as really like that, say they would have just you know signed him to an insane just, amount of money. They didn't do that, money, right? Just come play with us. Um, no, but that's how I look at that. Is they have a vision to take somebody like they they know what they want to do with him. Dable's like, I I got this. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, oh, I I can't. I'm with you. There's a plan. Once again, you can see these teams that have plans in place right now. And here's the Dallas Cowboys' plan in the NFC East. It's to uh, to sign who Bob pegged as the scout's nightmare of the edge rusher class, Sam Williams. Accused of some pretty vile behavior. The charges were – the battery charges were dropped. Um, had an incident involving a knife in high school. There's, there's a lot of background there. Um, some of it's on our site at Go Long if you go to edge rushers in the series. Uh, some of it we may report on over, over some time because it's, I think he's from a, from a pretty dark place. Um, it was a, a gamble in, in true Jerry Jones fashion where the Cowboys, just, they don't care about off field red flags. They, they really don't. They just don't care. And a lot of it blows up in their face once in a while they hit. Um, but I just see a franchise and an owner just doing the same kind of stuff they've done for 26 years running and then some um 26 without a super bowl berth but i i don't know i i just have a hard time seeing a a team coached by mike mccarthy owned by jerry jones making the same kind of mistakes they always make punching through like i just i mean philly say what you want about howie roseman and then i i don't know if i would have given aj brown 100 mil four years but Look, they, they whiffed at receiver with uh, – I see your white side and um, Rager. Yeah, Howie's had – he's been there – Howie's been there long enough where, I mean, he's going to have a million misses and some good hits too. You know, like your percentages, you're going to do it. Survivor. Survivor. I'm just – once again, I'm gonna, we always come back to the quarterback. <laughs> so you're now invested a first-round pick last year in, in a receiver, and then you go out and pay Brown. And you have a quarterback who I personally just don't see the him being a high completion. Like, I don't see him being the more attempts he's throwing a game, the better. Like, he seems like, you know, he can do yeah. some things. And I love, and we've talked about, I love his toughness. Like, he is so tough. And obviously, that's, the, you know, the team respects that. Man, but the athleticism only takes you so far. Oh, it's got to be a bonus. Sure. It can't be the foundation. No, no. you, you got to find a way. To, so, I mean, your investment's in these guys now. So, Yeah. It's, um, I'll, you know, I'll flip it on you, Jim. And I want to hear your perspective on this. And we'll have a story up tomorrow, just kind of whipping around the entire league with the draft. But the Tennessee Titans, my first inclination was kind of everybody's. When they, when they traded A.J. Brown, it was like, what the hell are you doing? You draft this guy. You're clearly better with him than without him. Um, just pay the man. But then you really look at the kind of the nuts and bolts of where the franchise is. I mean, yeah, they, so AJ Brown said that they offered him only 16 mil a year with incentives that went up to 20 and that I think he would have done 22, something like that. 
but whatever it is, it didn't get done. But they they could have made it work. Like John Robinson and Mike Vrabel could have made the numbers work. But to do it, they would have had to kind of push Ryan Tannehill's money down the line, which locks you into Ryan Tannehill beyond 2023. I think they can get out of that at 2023. Mm. And you might have to do the same kind of stuff to other contracts. Taylor Luan, you're kind of like doubling, tripling down on other players, especially the quarterback where I like Tannehill, but I mean, clearly that Cincinnati playoff game at home, you're the number one seed. He held you back. Like you, you lost. So you, you want to have, do you really, is it worth keeping AJ Brown at the expense of, okay, we're going to lock in with the quarterback to move that money around. I think that they, the Titans are smart here because they can kind of keep one foot in and one foot out. They can compete in 2022 with Derrick Henry. Remember, they didn't have him for half the year last year, and they still found a way to win games with Mike Vrabel's coach of the year. So you still can compete, and yet you still – you're looking to the future a little bit. I mean, you drafted A.J. Brown's replacement with the pick you got from Philly. He's, he's kind of – was it Traylon Burks? He's kind of like A.J. Brown in a lot of ways. Um, you draft Malik Willis in the third round because why the hell not? Set him for a year or two. Who knows? Maybe you can develop him. Um, I, I, I loved it. I, on second thought, I was like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. Plus, you didn't get locked into the contract of Brown as good as he is. Um, just kind of keep keep plugging, keep thinking long term. Green Bay kind of operates the same way, right? They they kind of do the same thing, although I think Devontae Adams wanted the hell out of there. Um, but I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? If you're the Tennessee Titans, how would you have handled your star receiver wanting more money? Being willing to stay if he gets that money. I don't think they should be investing in receiver right now. Because I'm not a Tannehill guy. And we know what their team is. Like, it's it's run the ball defense, right? I mean, yeah, that's what you are. So, once again, they're aligned at the top. Robinson, Brable, they – they get along like they, they they're in this, like they must have, like, they must feel good. Ownership must feel good. I'm not saying obviously we know anybody can get fired anytime, but Hey, they, they believe they must be believed enough where they didn't feel pressured to do that. Like we just have to keep him. There may have been some thought on that and said, look, you know, if we're not in a spot to do it and we can get, you know, we can get this, we can do this yeah, and we can develop a quarterback. So not lost for them too. I mean, they, they did get Robert Woods this off season too. That team's trying to win. Like they believe they can win a Super Bowl with Tannehill. I mean, they believe that. I don't know. I just don't, I'm with you. I just don't think Tannehill will ever, I feel like there's always going to be that game where it's just like, yeah. But man, that's a, that team has some, (laughs) they're tough. I mean, they always play. I mean, their whole team just, I like that. They, they kind of did go for it last off season too, right? They gave Bud Dupree the big money. Yeah. Um, another contract. I'm not thinking of. I mean, they re-signed Kevin Byard at a historic deal a couple of years back. So they they're, um, they're invested. Yeah, they're they're a grimy team. To your point, I mean, they're they're gonna have to pay Jeffrey Simmons. They're they're gonna win. I feel like the way that they were able to just kind of stay in it when everybody was hurt and they're just they're losing more players than anybody in NFL history. 
have the metric right in front of me, but when you talk about players lost to injury, I'm pretty sure no team had ever lost as many as they did last year. That's why Mike Vrabel's coach of the year, including, you know, the guy who's throwing the team on your back and Derrick Henry. So yeah, I think, I think they'll be fine. I don't think, I don't think that was a bad maneuver to, to deal a receiver there. Flip side, you know, and you've got some teams that did pay the receiver. I mean, the bills, it could have gotten to that point on draft day, right? If they didn't pay Stefan Diggs, I wonder if Push mm. would have came to shove a little bit on draft this day. Been, yeah, because this would have been the draft to – and that goes back to what we were talking about, though. You're just spinning wheels then. But you're willing to do it because you believe in Josh Allen a little bit more than the Titans probably believe in Ryan Tanner. Little 100%. Um, anything else from the draft? No, we didn't. Out? I don't know how Good, bad, or ugly? I wanted to touch on – you know, I because I, you know I didn't know a lot of these guys, and and I read about what Bob was gathering about the corner the Bills took. Um, just about the softness, and I'm excited to see this because there were mixed reviews. There were other guys that didn't say that about him, you know, but a couple people said it. Um, I think it's something worth paying attention to, Sean. McDermott, that's that's a no-no for like his number one rule with corner is they better tackle and better be tough. So I'm I'm excited to see who who was right on that one as far as is it that guy, you know, is he soft? Or did the Bills say, hey, no, we, we did our work. This guy's not soft. And whoever Bob was talking to, they were wrong. But I'm I'm curious to see that because I just know how much Sean loves that toughness. I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly what Brandon Bean said, but he definitely alluded to it um, in his press conference, talking about Kyrie Elam and just looking at the scouts comments. Now go along td.com. It's up there as opposed to headlines, what the scouts say about Bill's first rounder cornerback Kyrie Elam. And I'll read a few of them here. Um, AFC scout. I think he's the best corner, good size, super athletic. He can do everything athletically as far as speed and recovery. He's got poise. He has the ability to play the ball. His cover skills are exceptional. If you're going to knock him a little bit, he's not a great run support guy. He's not real aggressive or strong. So that was probably the highest mark. Then it gets a little more incendiary NFC scout. He's a soft player. When you use that word, that's what I'm saying. That's to me is a that comes up in draft meetings. You just what you did. That's what happens, and I just can't picture Sean. I just can't picture him taking a soft corner. Quote: He's a soft player, lacks the ability to tackle in the open field. Great kid, soft player, second round. Um, I mean, everybody go over there to read. Read. There's a ton of comments here. And here's an NFC scout, another different NFC scout. He's talented, not silky smooth in his movements, but he's explosive and he's a real good athlete. He plays with a lot of damn confidence and swag. He's got an excellent feel. He can run support, but he's less to be desired in the run game. He's one of those guys that says, quote, y'all go do that. I got a tackle. All right, let me jump down on the ground End quote. His first round talent. It's where his mind is. So here's, here's one more NFC scout. Quote, nobody cares anymore, but very, very, very marginal against the run, non-existent. He's got some real talent. But this is what he added. The same scout says he's more talented than Ahmad Gardner. 
That's who the Jets I mean, took fourth overall. So you've got a guy who, I mean, maybe supremely talented. Well, Deion Sanders didn't want to didn't want to hit anybody. So that's the gamble you take. Like you know, they're going to have to schematically try to keep him out of those spots. It you don't have to be a. You just have to. You can't just. You can't be a fatal flaw. You can't be a poor poor tackler. Like. You don't have to be nasty. Just get him down. That was always most of the coaches I've ever been. Just get him down. Is but you have to have, to have the desire. I mean, we were just talking about Derek. That's, well, that goes back to runaway yeah. freight train coming at you. You got to stick yeah. your nose in there. Just, just that's the point. We, I'll so say this I'm too. No, man. <laughs> the, he the, sounds he sounds really talented though. That that was the one consistent thing everybody's saying like. It sounds like this guy has some serious ability. His dad was Abram Elam, who yeah. picked six on Trent Edwards once upon a time. Uncle Matt Elam, safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. I, it, it might not matter. It might matter. Um, no, it's, we just got to wait and see. It's, that's the fun part now. We can actually, that's something we can watch and really look for. And we'll see you know it quick. I, but you know what I think of is a, a brilliant play caller, like a Kyle Shanahan NFC divisional round against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field in the cold and the snow late in the game. You need a first down to win the game. And they call that run for Debo Samuel. And they call it schematically for him to go directly at Jair Alexander. So Jair Alexander, it was his first game back from, I believe, a shoulder injury, right? Like, so he'd missed a lot of yeah. time with an injury that requires, you know, mm-hmm. he's in that moment. He's got to, he's got to stick that shoulder in there, which by the way, he's up for a contract pretty damn soon at that point. Are you willing to do that in that moment on third and whatever it was, third and six, third and seven, it was, it was almost diabolical by Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to send my tough, tough SOB directly at your corner who we don't think wants to touch him. And he didn't. Alexander's one of the best corners in the game. He wanted nothing to do with Debo Samuel in that moment. Nothing. Go back and watch it. It's awful. So that's, I mean, at the end of the day, this is still a violent game and you still have to be willing to hit and tackle. You have to be willing. Yeah, that willing. That's it. Got to be willing. I have a feeling I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually say, if I, if I had to bet who I think is going to be right, the Bills or the scouts that Bob spoke with on this guy, I'm going to go Bills. Ooh. I, I don't think Sean McDermott would draft a soft corner. That's why I'm saying. I'm going to agree with you because I've been very critical of Sean McDermott, obviously, 13 seconds you know, being front and center to that. If there's one thing he does exceptionally well, and it's been proven, it's develop cornerbacks and coach cornerbacks and, and put cornerbacks and DBs in the right position. Maybe outside of Levi Wallace guarding the sideline when he didn't have to guard the sideline at the end of the, outside of that, that notwithstanding, that seems to be one of his greatest strengths as the head coach. So overall, I feel like they'll develop Elam into being a starter. I mean, Dane Jackson isn't going to give up without a fight, but it was a position I need. It was a really good talent. 
you take there's certain words when i hear guys talk like that when you hear consistent like with explosion athleticism cover could be the best in the draft debatable like i love that yeah that that screams value like that screams like there's some serious talent here so i I know man bills bills i mean it's hard to doubt any thoughts on james cook before we sign off Ah, I like what I just saw in the, that was my first real exposure to him was watching kind of those clips. There's a spot for him for sure. That's that home run. I mean, I like it. I like, I, I, I feel like they, I'm always partial to Southeast guys to Florida, Georgia. I like that. So. A little underutilized. I mean, he wasn't even the starting running back. for. Oh, no, I know. And that's once again, that's conviction. Like the bills did some work on him that this is, a, you know, and I love that. That's scouting. 113 attempts for 728 yards, seven <laughs> touchdowns. So he averaged 6.4 carry when he did get the ball. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Cost 27 balls for 284. Um, but I mean, but still, I mean, he had the big game was it against Alabama. Um, but other than he, he, I mean, yeah, I mean, they had Zamir White. He had more carries. They kind of split time, I guess. Uh, they got a vision for him, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch Brees Hall with the Jets. Here's the thing. I mean, the Bills kind of poo-pooed the mock drafts and people thinking they wanted Brees Hall in the moment. I think in pre- Bean's press conference, he was going, yeah, I don't know why everybody had us Brees Hall. That seemed to be a national storyline. If you go read Mike Silver's story at Valley Sports, um, I referenced he, he did a behind the scenes look had access to the bills draft process he said that if they did stay at their pick and they didn't trade up for elam that Brees hall would have been a consideration so they could have drafted him there um instead they get to the second round they trade down they get dalvin cook's younger brother i don't it's it seems like they have this complicated role for him they want to move him all over the field whatever you think about the wonderlick as Bob reported, he had a six on the Wonderlick. That's pretty low. Could mean nothing. It could. could no, I've seen it go. I've seen it. I've seen it go. That you've done your work. Like I'm just telling you, they feel good about it. That Wonderlick and that test can go. That's we've talked that thing into the ground. I, you do your work with the player. You let him explain what he's doing, what he sees when he's watching film. You know. You'll know right away if he can handle, you know, what you're going to try to teach him. Mm. So, yeah. So the Bills, Jets, Giants. Hitting on all the New York, New Jersey ball clubs. Only one has a quarterback so far. Oh, yeah. We didn't really get into your Packers, but you know what? Maybe that's for another time. Well, we're going to do, um, for everybody listening to this, uh, I'm going to do a podcast episode with Bob again. Oh, so there you go. There gonna, it is. We're going to hit on the Packers. It. And you know, oh, the, I don't you know what the criticism, I hear it, it's out there. There's a few comments on some stories, but I think for people who, who haven't read Bob McGinn's work over the 38 years that he's done this draft series, they're a little unfamiliar with being bombarded with scout quotes so we're going to definitely get into the value of that. I mean, you were a scout for a number of years. Uh, maybe you can answer this for us. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the criticism from like some people in media is, well, of course they're going to talk shit about a guy that they want to drop or they'll pump up a guy that they want to go early. 
these are relationships that Bob has built up over the years. I think he knows, not, I don't think he knows. I know he knows who to trust, who not to trust. And it's such a feel it's a relate. It's like anything in life Think about everybody's profession. It's a relationship business. And, but we'll get into that. So there was some rough language on some of these guys, which I get, but Hey, we're not, we're not NFL network. Okay. This isn't state run TV where a player's no. drafted and we all drool all over him every pick because that's not reality. We want to try to live in a semblance of reality. I'm telling you, as, as a scout for a long time, we put so much work into these players. And sometimes you don't get a chance to talk about, a, you know, at length in your meetings about some of these guys or – you have more that you want to say. And so you yeah. just want to talk more. You did you work wanna, on these guys. The scouts I've talked to over the years, Jim, it's our podcast is pretty much like those conversations. Yeah. Like people just, people just want, they just want to talk about football. They just want to talk. Cause we were, we were lonely. Like we're on the road. Like we want to talk. Call me, call me. I'm in my hotel again. Yeah. Let's talk about them. I just saw him. I played. Saw it's him sad. Play I mean, you guys are living out of hotels and not with your families and such, but you just want to talk about them. Well, I don't want to go. Don't I can't paint a sad picture. It's it's a pretty fun job. That's a good point. You know what? That isn't a bad life. You know, back in your people's single days, single days know, that's on the pretty, road, a, having mm-hmm. a beer, eighteen of them. Life is pretty no good. Negatives. Take that back. No negatives. Very very minimal negatives. Everybody try to be an area scout as a single person. Well, in my prime of my life, in those early twenties, I was living in northeast wisconsin jim so wasn't exactly a southeast scout like you i started north i started northeast though i started with my roots yeah but i didn't want to leave that southeast all right well we mentioned it before um our plan really is to get this podcast rolling yeah. uh, we're gonna I like that fire yeah, out more xfl episodes. I'd yeah. like to get, I'd really like to see if we can get some coaches on. That'd be pretty cool. And and thanks for everybody for listening. We have our conversation. Talk to Taylor Humphrey. That's on the feed here. If you haven't listened, fascinating guy. Um, gosh, I wanted to ask you about this, Jim, but Louisiana Raging Cajun D tackle. So he's actually going to Pittsburgh Steelers um, rookie camp. He's trying out. Cool. He wasn't drafted, but he told the story of his one year that he was at Florida international and he ended up getting kicked out of there. But he said that uh, when he was there, like the tutors, the, the tutors at the school, they just did everybody's papers and everybody's tests and did everybody's work. Mm-hmm. They literally go into these study halls and it's like, all right, here's my work. Do it for me. He's like, yeah, when I went to Louisiana, I went in this, you know, went to see my tutor. I'm like, well, here's, here's my work. And, and they, they told me they just kind of helped me out. They didn't do it for me. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's Florida International. What's life like at Georgia, Alabama? You know, some of these big time SEC schools. It's like that. What yeah. he said. <laughs> There's but, no question. Interesting conversation there. And we have a lot planned. So go along TD.com if you don't subscribe. We'd love to have you. Thank you so much for listening, watching, however you consume. Jim. We'll do this in the flesh HBC later this week when you are Would love to childless. <laughs> See ya.